Welcome back, everybody, to Office Hours. It's uh, it's December, right? December. December. Um, midway through December. Well, are we midway? Almost. We will I guess, be. No, we're still early. We will be. By the time you hear this, it will be. I uh, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and ate their body weight in turkey and drank too much wine and whatever else you do. I got um, serious turkey bod now. Yeah. You, it's aggressive. You did, you did a family thing, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, just, you know, the general, like, eat too much food. Um, yeah. Tell the people if you took any pictures with your brand new camera. I did. Um, and I mean, without sounding super cheesy, there is like a little bit of a backstory to it. My, uh, my grandfather is like one of my heroes. Like Mm -hmm. he's one of the most amazing human beings I'll ever know. Anyway. Um, one of my biggest regrets is that I never made his portrait. Um, you know, and I guess at the time I was like, obviously I was younger and I wasn't experienced enough or I didn't feel like I had the, the kind of ability to do it the way I wanted to do it in my head. Yeah. Um, so I just never did. And that's honestly been one of my biggest regrets ever. I wish that I had taken pictures of both my grandfather and my grandmother, um, before they, uh, before they passed. And so I was, uh, packing up my bag and I just said, you know what, like, screw it i'm gonna pack the big camera i'm gonna bring the lights and the stands and i'm gonna do it and Hell so yeah. i loaded up my car and i had like the c-stands and the soft boxes and the strobes and the camera and i uh yeah i brought it all down and everyone thought it was nuts but after after they saw the first picture they came out and they're like oh that's great actually that was awesome they're so like oh hey maybe you got a little bit of talent maybe you should do this I, for a I living. think it was one of those like points of like proof of concepts for like you know when you tell people like when you catch up with friends and family you're like oh like how's that thing that you do yeah how's that you know how are your little pictures going you proved it yeah and i think they were like oh what is that i've never seen one of those before <laughs> so that was that was fun it was a it was a good good experience um Tell and the I people what you bought, though. You you made a you made a, a big jump in the world. Yeah, so I'm no longer in the world of um, baby camera size, baby size camera sensors. No more I'm now in thirds. the baby size medium format there camera sensors. <laughs> so uh, uh, I went. He's all GFX went to the 50. GFX. Yeah, I went to the GFX fifty. Um, I uh, I picked one up um, for a song. Uh, it's an incredibly competent machine, um, and I think I mean you I bothered you about this for like a couple weeks leading up to it like it was the whole idea of i want more megapixels but i don't want an insane amount of megapixels and i also don't want to spend an insane amount of money um because you know like consumer debt um so that seemed to be the best consumer solution you're the cheap bastard right i am a cheap (laughs) cheapskate yeah for sure when it comes to that kind of stuff what can i get away (laughs) with um what kind of the maximum reward for the smallest investment um, and I think that this is an incredible system. It's very capable. Um, I love the amount of resolution I get. It's, it's a lot of fun uh, to do like the 100% crop thing. Mm-hmm. But I think more so than that, it's like, I, I don't think it was all uh, resolution that I was after. It was like the, the look and feel of the images. It's it's like that. It's physics, man. You can't get past a bigger sensor. I hear you. Um, I mean, you know, you carry a giant, a real full frame camera. So. Something like that. Is that what you're going to call it? <laughs> but yeah, so I think that was kind of, it was like a different look. And I think that it really helps the images in my mind. They, they just, they stand out to me better. And I don't think I'm, I wouldn't say it's for anybody else other than me. Um, 
but I like it. I like the output and it's it's fun. It nice. makes it fun to shoot. Nice. Congrats. That's cool. Thanks. It's good. Hooray. New gear is fun. Everybody should love new gear. Right. Plus it's end of the year, so you gotta spend that money. That's it. My accountant's gonna hate me. That's a, or love you. <laughs> Who like, knows? Like, what are all these extra receipts, man? <laughs> Amazing. Well, um we've got a we've got a big interview today. Yeah, I know. We've this got is an interview huge. today that you have been asking for since before we started the podcast. Right off the bat, yeah. you were like, "Hey, you have access to this person. We should mm-hmm. have them on." And Absolutely. I was like, "Yeah, that's a great idea." And then a year later, I was like, "Hey, we should have this person on." And you were like, "Uh, yeah, I've been telling you that for a year." I feel like I've asked repeatedly every, almost every other episode since yeah. the inception of this podcast. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, I've specifically kept great, this person. There's a great from one you. waiting in the wings. You just gotta, yeah. And there's reason for it. She's she's too good. True. And she this overshadows. Is of, me this is the very last episode every step where, of the way. yeah, yeah. After this, it's it's just going to become her podcast. I know that's the problem. You're not even going to be involved. No, You're going to be I, out I the door. I'll be out, I'll I'll basically just post the show notes. That will be my only <laughs> role from here on out. She will call you and say like, "Hey, is it up on Anchor yet?" And you're gonna be like, "Oh, yeah, like, so have sorry, you posted I'll, it I'll yet? Like, why second. are you Why are you stalling?" Actually, me and links. Ashton have plans on starting our own podcast there and you leaving go. you out, David. There you go. So I guess yeah. But there's the voice. Uh, those of you who know her know it already. But without further ado, uh, Ash Patino is our guest tonight. My wife. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for waiting a year. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> it's really, it's really exclusive to be on this. There's a, it's a long waiting list. You know, you got to play your cards right. There's some politics involved. I, I, it's a little cutthroat. No, I felt like when you first asked last year to have Ash on, I was like, she's not really doing anything interesting right now. She's just, Aggressive. you know, wow, that's uh, that's amazing. Okay, cool. I see where we stand. I like it. How often no, do you sleep good. in the studio? No, but now there's just, there's so much happening. There's so much happening. There's so many questions and um, really we're just hoping that you can drive more users to our channel. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're writing your coattails to the top Are for you guys sure. going to pay for my yeah, yeah, posts? Yeah, no, no. And... Ashton uh, Venmo'd you $30 this oh, morning. Oh, 30 bucks. That's, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. that's what my followers Your Target are gift for. card is in the mail. <laughs> yeah, if you could just give us a shout out. My my followers like dead people. Your followers like uh, cameras. It's a whole like different that. audience. I'm sure they all overlap I don't somewhere. even think our followers like us. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um. Yeah, so, uh, all right, so this is the Ash Patino episode. This is where we go deep into, because um, I mention you a lot on here, and I mention you a lot in life. That's true. I do hear, when I listen to your podcast, my name right? come up a lot. Right? So I, I'm happy fun? I'm here now to defend all those things <laughs> that have been He edits out all the mean parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so the, the I'll, I'll give it the quick and dirty. I'm not going to, uh, I feel weird diving into it because... Uh, sleep next to you and people are gonna be like ah he's just talking about his wife so i'll let ashton do a lot of the gushing oh wow okay yeah i'm ready come on ashton bring it on um but real quick i'll just give the lowdown so (laughs) so for those that don't know ash runs a a production company named generic brand human which is based in new jersey uh obviously and uh it's run out of the tannery studios right yep and um you do a whole bunch of stuff that's right. A lot. You do corporate, you mm-hmm. do commercial, you do documentary film, uh, a lot of documentary film now. Yep. Um, and now you're uh, fully embedded in the um, 
what I would call the, I don't want clients anymore. I'm making my own content and trying to figure out how to swing that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. <laughs> okay. Which is what we all joke about. Everybody always says like, ah, oh, this job would be great if it weren't for the clients. And we all say like, ah, oh, someday. And, and then here's Ash who comes walking in the door and says like, I think I'm going to start this thing. And hopefully within like six to nine months, I'm, I'm not going to do the commercial work anymore. I'm just going to focus on this. I'm going to make my own content and I'm going to put it out there and somehow I'm going to monetize it. And as a husband, I was like, yeah, 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 of course. And as a uh, life partner in bank accounts and stuff, I was like, God, I hope she knows what she's doing. <laughs> um, but you always do know what you're doing. So I'm sure this is going to, I'm sure you'll leave me and do the podcast with Ashton and everything will be fine. That's the master plan. That's it. Yep. There it is. Okay. Perfect. You just outlay all the next like three bullet points on the plan. <laughs> great. Are we done now? Is this it? That's it. Yeah, that That's was episode. a great episode. And that'll in. do it from us here at the Office Hours Podcast. It's produced by the Tannery Studios. <laughs> Formal, formerly Tannery Studios. Yeah, formerly. <laughs> and this will be the last episode of uh, David Patino on board. So uh, bid you adieu. I say good day, sir. <laughs> No, but so so Ash is now the uh, I don't even know how to you're gonna have to fill me in here because I literally don't know how to like you're the producer you're the director you're the uh, on screen driving talent, force driving force for uh, what is Ashes to Ash TV right yes that's correct um, which is on YouTube yep on YouTube uh, Instagram Twitter and then on Facebook it's uh, Ashes to Ash True Crime okay and really what you've decided to do is dive into the true crime realm and uh, pick up a case for lack of better words yeah. and run with it and make a, a bi-weekly show mm -hmm. um, about this case. Yeah. But unlike a lot of the other podcasts where they just kind of like tell the story about what happened to somebody, you decided to boots on the ground and, head to said location and walk through the woods and start finding your own clues. Yep, that's correct. Okay. Ashton, start asking questions. Go. Well, <laughs> um, so I, I guess, you know, David kind of gave you the, gave everyone the highlights or the quick hits on, you know, how you started a production company, et cetera, et cetera, and you grew that business. But then I guess, you know, I think for where I think most people will probably want to know is so how do you go from like where where in in this process of building a business and doing this commercial work did you come upon the story that that drove you to kind of pursue this as your next move i mean i guess i guess it would be helpful to start by giving us a little bit of the preamble for the story i mean tell us the story that you're trying to kind of walk through now um as far as the story we're investigating yeah. Uh, so it was a 13-year-old boy named Bonsai in Pekin, Illinois, who disappeared um, on November 18th, uh, 2016. And his remains were found eight months later, and the case had never been solved. So I had, uh, I had done a documentary earlier in the year um, called Mallory about a 12-year-old girl who committed suicide after being relentlessly bullied uh, at school. And throughout the process of making that documentary, I just found my voice and my artistry. And for the first time, like, 
um, a, around a lot of photographers and video people. I'm the I've never been the one to be like, oh, I take pictures for fun or I do video of beautiful <laughs> things. Like I've never been that person. Like I built my company to make money, and that was basically all. So I found ways to do beautiful work, but that's I never did photo outside of work and I never did video outside of work. So it's kind of crazy to be 40 years old and to all of a sudden discover that this also is a, a very deep passion and not just uh, an uh, ends to a means basically, or a means to an end. <laughs> Said that well, and I think me. it's, it's, you mentioned Mallory, the doc that you did earlier this year, which I mean, that is a gut wrenching story. I remember when we visited earlier this year, you know, got to see the, the, the trailer for it. And I mean, it really kind of, it throws you for a loop. It's a pretty heavy story. So, I mean, with this, I mean, you're, you're diving into what I, what I have to imagine is really heart wrenching stuff. I mean, where, how do you continue to move forward with that process when, you know, what you're dealing with is very heavy stuff? Um, I mean, it's it's it can be isolating because it's not an easy thing to talk to people about. It's not like, you know, you have a bad day at work and you can go home and talk to your spouse or your friend and be like, oh, my day was bad. Like, I have to go home and be like, oh, I found out that somebody was raped and molested and uh, and then murdered, you know late down the road like that's kind of a lot of how my day goes or um I, I kind of deal with some of the saddest i think of the sad uh of what's happening in the communities and so i think that it it makes it difficult in some ways i think it's been really hard on on my guys that work for me i think sometimes they almost need a break from it my poor editor today was basically wrote me a note about <laughs> how I need to start paying for counseling for him because he has to, he's like, you have to go interview them, but I have to watch the content over and over again. It was like a debate on who has it worse. Um, so, but it is, it's, it's extremely isolating and it's like um, the more and more I do it, the more and more disconnected. I feel like I almost come from my emotions because it's hard. You can't take it in. So I've just kind of become like a wall uh that that can listen and interpret without actually bringing any emotional um, engagement with it. Sorry, what's interesting, real quick, was that like, so not only are you having to deal with all of you know this like gut wrenching, you know, horribleness, but but you're also there to to run the show, right? Yeah. So you know, it's not just like oh, I'm going to go in and like interview somebody, and then later on we're going to talk about it. Like you go in, you've got to you've got to do your video thing. Yep. You've got to manage the people who are with you. You've got to light it and set it and run with it. And then you have to go through the interview process, which is could be anything from horrible to awkward to scary, yeah. uh, depending on who you're talking to. And Absolutely. then you have to go back to your hotel or whatever and download it and archive it. And like, there, <laughs> there's this massive amount of, you know, work that has to be done and you know, I think a lot of the time it's you and one other person or maybe two other people on a good week who are going out and doing all this. Yeah, no, that's what's kind of crazy. It's uh, it's usually me and Cole, who's also in the show. Um, and then Michael, my editor, um, has come with us on one of the outings so far. But yeah, I mean, it's me and Cole. So w when we go out to Pekin, there is no downtime. Like, it's not like a normal job where you go in from nine to five and go home for the night. It's not like that. We shoot 
from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed or we're prepping gear or downloading or we're re-listening to audio that we caught earlier because we have a disagreement about what was said and we want to clarify what was said or we just want to really sit and listen and kind of pick through it to see if there was any clues within the audio that we might have missed. Um, and then plus just just getting, you know, all the footage, the B-roll of that town and um, and kind of preparing for the next day to who we're going to interview. And it can become a lot because you're still you're also mentally trying to process what you've just heard. Uh, and there's so much information and some of it is so dark and you you have to really try to take a step back and, and process that while continuing to work. Right. And all the while there's. There's a fancy little pharma job that you shot last week that has to be edited and processed and kicked out the door because uh, I think it's very important to note here that uh, nobody's paying you That's right. to drive to Pekin, Illinois yep. every month uh, for a week at a time or whatever and film and then edit. And, you know, this is something that you are currently privately funding. Absolutely. Uh, and you have no... Let me back up. You had no connection to this story. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, so I, how did you jump in? How did you find this? And how did you get to yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, how I'm, did you... I'm, I'm super <laughs> curious. It's like, you know, because like this is, this is, this is a not a super like fun topic to to film and investigate or to look into. And so you're you're actively you're actively steering into like the the areas that make people feel uncomfortable. So. Right. I guess why? Yeah, what? Where? Did, <laughs> yeah. How and why? Yeah, let's start with the why. why? And, th and this is a question that I still don't know. So this is going to be very. <laughs> why? Okay. Well, the why is is that um, I'm I well obviously video has been my my the only thing I've ever wanted to do with my life since I was eight years old, and then true crime has always been all I've ever wanted to watch on anything. I fall asleep to HLN Forensics Files. Um, I listen to podcasts like Up and Vanished and Sword and Scale in the car while driving. Um, it's really all I listen to. So I, I guess you could say I was a, a huge fan of true crime, but not in the way of like raw, raw, yay, true crime. Like I love serial killers because I don't feel that way is what I love about true crime is is the aspect that something can be solved, that you can stop somebody in their tracks, that usually the answers are there. It's just sometimes they're hard to see. Um, and I loved the ability to go in as not restricted, not as law enforcement, not as a private investigator, but somebody doing um, a documentary has a much different play. Like I feel like I got a lot of the major players on board almost immediately to my surprise. Um, there hasn't been very many people who are unwilling willing to talk with me, even if they don't want to go on the record. Um, even the Pekin police had a sit down meeting with me. Um, and, you know, it's it's amazing the people who who not only appreciate that I'm there, um, but want to talk and want to tell their story. And now that episodes have been released, the flood of people who want to talk is um, is completely and utterly overwhelming. And also what makes the story so incredible is the amount of people that had been amateur sleuthing before I got there and who want to see this solved. And so that's what I thought to find this story. What I thought was so unique is all I did was post on Instagram. Does anyone have any stories about something that's unsolved or, you know, someone who's in jail and shouldn't be like, I kind of wrote three things that people could write in about and almost 
now I don't know anyone in Illinois. Like I wasn't looking for, I was actually looking hopefully for a story in New Jersey um, and three people right off the bat who, who were unaffiliated with one another wrote in about this particular murder. And I was like, wow, that's really amazing. So I like looked up quickly and I saw it was in this town of like 30,000 people. So the fact that there were three people on Instagram from this community all at the same time who all wanted me to work on this story seemed just a, a little unbelievable to me. And then when I pulled up the picture of this little boy who's like missing his front tooth and is just absolutely adorable, um, I just felt a pull towards the story and it's crazy because I really honestly believed I was going to be investigating the murder of a 13 year old boy and what I'm investigating is so much more than that it, this story is so deep and has so many crazy paths and different things going on it almost blows your mind it's so much and so heavy and you have to go into every aspect of it to understand what happened to him and so it's really taken me down some dark roads um and it really really be met and been around some very interesting people i have to i mean to your to your point i have to imagine that you know you're going into this um this story with you have a visual i mean you're a visual creative right so you're going into it with a thought of how you're going to tell this story but then as you're learning all of these information all the players are kind of coming to the forefront they're floating to the top i mean that that's got to be a lot of information to try to sort through and and logically pace you know i think like you know one of the if you're for the video folks out there i mean you guys know this but like when you're shooting a story you're you're logically shooting for that edit right you're thinking about how you're going to piece together that story and that narrative so like yeah and that's got to be super challenging for you when you know the story is it's not a to b you know it's a to d to f to b to c to and i think that that's got to present a really difficult challenge in terms of how you put that together for a viewer no uh it's it's one of the most challenging parts and i have to give a hundred percent credit for this to my editor michael um i'm sure if he was here he would have some expletives he would like to throw out my direction <laughs> because basically the poor guy is what i do now me and michael i just want to also say have worked together since we were 21 years old so we're practically related um so i i don't think there's anything that so can... you can treat him like shit and he can't do exactly. anything he's stuck <laughs> hopefully he doesn't hear this um, i'm sure a lot of editors out there are like yep, yep that's how yep, i feel that's my that's relationship true. with my director yep <laughs> so basically i we started this off and i handed him all the footage and i told him the a podcast that I liked a lot. I liked how they had um, laid everything out and talked about everything. And oddly enough, this podcast invested also investigated a crime in real time. And that that podcast is called Up and Vanished. And um, I was always like, oh my god, I want to do what he did, but with video. Um, obviously, we have a podcast that accompanies it, just for those people who want to listen. But I I think that so I, I kind of knew. Um, a good example of how I thought it should play out, but that's really where the buck stopped. And then I just handed Michael all the footage and said, good luck. And Michael was like, hold, what? hold on. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have to talk to me about this. So it was like this little tug of war of, I don't know what to tell you. And he was like, but you were there. And so we had to really kind of finesse it. So finally, we just decided to tell the story linearly, meaning 
uh, I wanted people to go on this um, crazy, dark, I guess, for lack of a better word, adventure with us. I wanted them to be there for the moments that were have anxiety because we're interviewing somebody uh, that I'm anxious about interviewing or the times that like we're pulled into the woods by a cop who wants to give us information but doesn't want people to know that they're, he's talking to us or um, when we find, you know, someone sends us a picture of the crime scene and something doesn't add up. You know, I wanted people on that journey with us so that they could feel and see and be and understand how we got to the conclusions that we did. And so that's really why we take these tips that are coming in so seriously, because we want to not only expel myths about this case, but we also want to give clear evidence. So even if we don't solve it in the end we want to kind of show everybody what we know put all the cards on the table so that people can make up their own minds um, but even you know we're very hopeful and we've gotten a lot of information so I'm, I'm really hopeful that you know we can find a solution to this I have to imagine that there's like situations where because you're talking to a lot of different players and you know it's it's something that's I mean it's complicated right it's a complex problem it's a com- like it's crime right so like obviously something bad happened something awful happened and you know it's shrouded in a lot of mystery so i'm sure you know as you're going through and weeding through that like how do you make sense of you know the red herrings the things that kind of may throw you off the scent i mean i feel like that's got to be you know with all the tips that you might receive or all the people that want to go on record there's probably a lot of contradictions oh wow there are so many contradictions and red herring is like a term I use constantly because that's constantly what I'm looking for. But I, I ground myself in the fact that I kind of took it a bite at a time. And now I feel like I know all the players. I know who's related because um, there's a lot of people related in the story that you don't know about at first. So you're talking to one person and then later you're talking to another person. And then pretty soon you find out it's like mother and daughter. And you're like, what? hold on, you guys are related? Like, <laughs> did you talk to each other before you each called me separately? <laughs> you know, it's like trying to get to the bottom of that um, can be extremely complicated. But I kind of feel like I just, I wouldn't even um, take in more information than I could. Um, I kind of took in little pieces at a time and I digested them and then I went on to the next step and then I digested that piece of information. But now is what works out really well is when someone gives me a tip or says something, I usually have a connection to somebody who was there during that party or that moment they were talking about, or I have enough people. Um, I was trying to confirm a story the other day and, uh, a woman reached out to me who just happened to know the person and me and her literally went back and forth as she texts the person to confirm the story without telling her friend that that's why she was texting her. And so I was able to confirm something that we had that I had thought was accurate and found out that it was accurate. But so some of this is like crazy because people come out of the woodworks and they're totally willing to help me. Um, and so it gives me the ability to confirm things. And it's crazy because like I'm open to hearing people's versions of their reality. But is what I try to always ground that in is with evidence or um, stories from people who are actually there or actually heard it from the person who was there. And even then, depending on how removed it is, I make sure I confirm it in multiple ways that they heard it from, 
you know, different sources. So they didn't all hear it from the same source just to make sure I don't have one person lying. There's like corroboration but, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But even yesterday, it was crazy. I had someone reach out and they were like, I know what happened, you know, and I have this happen a lot. And so we went back and forth and pretty soon he sent me a picture of something and I was like, oh, this is this is nothing. But I sent it on to somebody in the case and they were like, uh, that's Bonsai's, the little boy who died. And so all of a sudden I was like, okay, all right, wow. I'm paying attention. You have my attention. Like, how do you have that? Do you feel that like as a storyteller and you're because you're telling the story in a linear fashion, right? You said you, you went to kind of trying to tell it as you as you learn it. Yeah. I mean, does that make it? Does that make it more challenging to kind of, because, you know, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of storytelling in a traditional sense where like, you know, you have a, a beginning, middle and end and you, you put that together on, on the back end of everything. So you can kind of tell an arc. I mean, like does, how that's got to mess with you when it's like you were, you, you know, you take an entire episode or I guess what equates to like, you know, a week of filming to tell one story and then you find out that there's layers to that that were that kind of you know there i don't know i, just, I feel like that's got to be right? that's got to be constant so, back and forth <laughs> yeah it's got to be it's like a volley i mean that's got to be crazy yeah no it is and that's why i think it's interesting because people get to um understand this with us um and so really the pot or the the video series has become about our journey through this like that's what i didn't realize at first which i should have because the podcast i had really had a lot of respect for and was em emulating in some ways was about his journey so i don't know why that that didn't become apparently obvious but it wasn't until we started on the next episode that i was like oh this is just our journey so we won't always have the information right at first, but if we don't know it for a fact yet, we say that and we say, here's something curious that we're looking into and we even stuff. So obviously we edit episodes that we shot like three months ago right now, but we add details in that we're even filming you know, today, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's really about trying to give people as clear of a reality as we have. And I think we've been really careful to omit information that we are not sure if is accurate yet. And if we think something might come into play, we do drop like little Easter eggs throughout episodes that kind of give you a hint of what's to come, but maybe we're still looking into it. Um, you know, we need to confirm something. So we just kind of drop a little thing that somebody, you know, we're on an interview with someone and they mention it and we leave it in the episode because no one's mentioning it as, as something that's like this what ha is what happened but then we spend the next couple weeks trying to get a hold of the person who can answer that question or trying to find evidence that corroborates what they're saying and so I think that's kind of an interesting thing is that people get to kind of experience that first time we heard it and we were curious about it and then you know three episodes later they're going to get to hear okay this is what happened with that that was not true or that is true and here's what came of that and so I think that makes it kind of interesting in an interactive way for people listening. In traditional, say it, traditional, magic air quotes, Ashton. Um, in traditional documentary, you go out and you grab everything and you come home and you sort all that shit out. Mm -hmm. And you then you present it. it, right? And here, like, yes, you started, you know, whatever, four or five months ago collecting data, but you're, you know, on an on a monthly basis heading back out there to film more and do more and and so yes like you said you're 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 editing stuff that you shot three months ago but you're also taking brand new phone calls you know sorry but like you, you're filming everything 
Yeah. Every time you pick up the phone, yes. you're filming yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. You're recording the phone call. You're, you know, you're, you're gathering all this data and you're constantly sending it back to editors and the editor, you know, <laughs> I'll give him credit. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think people, I think it's important that people need to understand that like these episodes come out every other week on a Monday and on Monday morning, you're finessing the edit. Oh, absolutely. There was the first episode. We were finessing the edit up until an hour before it was supposed to launch. First episode was an hour late. Yeah, no. So this was like an hour before it was supposed to launch. And people, like we hadn't even, I was so, I'm so shocked by this outpouring still. I was getting phone calls, emails, Facebook messages, like Instagram messages. like Before it aired. Basically a pigeon showed up with a message on it that said, where's the episode? Um, and I was like, and this is before it aired. I was like, whole, I was like, what What did I just do? You had gone to the internet and you said, hey, internet, at 8 p.m. on Monday the whatever, yeah. I'm going to release my episode. Yes. And at 8.05, people were like, where the fuck is the episode? Yeah. And I- you were like... I thought it was going to be like everything else I've ever made where right. like nobody cared. Right. And I'm pretty sure no one would have noticed if it didn't go up yeah. at eight. And all of a sudden I had no, and it was, it wasn't like my dad, although he was wondering too, don't get me wrong. But um, usually it would be like family member being like, Hey, I thought you were going to post that, but it was, it was nobody I knew. Like I didn't know any of these people who were like, uh, you know, and that's another thing. Like the people who called, I was like, and where did you get my number? <laughs> Right. Uh, so it was just it was extremely interesting to have that kind of interest so quickly. And then right after I posted it, it was insane. Like I could just watch in real time, like new subscribers, people sharing, uh, asking comments, uh, people calling because they wanted more details. And I kept having to be like, look, there'll be more episodes. I can't answer each person separately on this. You guys have to just watch the show. So, this is what I find like most interesting, uh, not most interesting, but this is a very interesting part I find about this is that as you know people who make video and take pictures and visual storytellers as as you put it ashton you know you do it because you want to make something really beautiful and if you make something really beautiful you feel good about it and you put it out there and that's that's the first part of it but you also want the feedback you want people to look at it and notice it and comment on it good or bad you know like you, you want the feedback and the criticism and whatnot and you were getting it and you are getting it to such an extent, right? That it's mildly overwhelming or, or majorly overwhelming maybe. Yeah. But it's also what is going to keep the project driving forward. Yeah, I think it's people's interest um, that is because the people who want to give tips have have been so, and then just the encouragement. I it's so crazy. Like people, someone from Australia was like, "I love this." Um, I saw someone on Twitter post uh, any new podcast I should listen to. This is just some random, like not connected to my thing, and my my show was on there. And I was like, how did this person <laughs> think to put my show in that? You know, and I think I think that's crazy. Is like you hit on something that people care so deeply about. And then it also, it, it changed me for good. Like after I did Mallory, um, I just, I had this little girl who I've never met absolutely changed my life. And, um, and now Robert is part of this change, you know, someone I will never meet, uh, who unfortunately doesn't, you know, ever get to turn 14 years old, uh, is absolutely shaping who I am to this day. And that, that blows my mind that I have a connection, this deep, passionate, you know, connection with someone I never met, you know? I feel like at this point, you know, because of 
because of the outpour of support on you know interest the interest level is high i mean there there's got to i mean do you feel a sense of of duty to continue to tell this story and to to kind of dive deeper and dig a little bit harder and you know ask those tough questions yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we we do, you know, even now that we're, you know, been going out to Pekin for four or five months, we're doing follow-up interviews with people to kind of clarify things now, because obviously when I went in that first week or second week, I didn't even know much about the case. So I'm kind of asking people blindly questions. But now that I have corroboration and answers or can find out that somebody might not have been telling something 100% truthful, I can go back and ask that person, you know, with these mounds of evidence, are you still going to stand by that statement, you know? Um and so I think that's what's really amazing is the fact that it's unfolding in real time. Like usually you would interview all your people, put your piece together. And then if you heard anything down the road, you just have to be like, oh, I, I didn't know that then. So I couldn't have asked that then. But what's different about this is I get to ask. I get to show up with the piece of paper that says that's not true and say, why? Why did you say that? And that's that's what's really cool about being able to do this. I feel like it's. Uh, and then another thing, too, is you end up with these really close connections with the people in Pekin, you know, people I would never have known. I have a deep care and relationships with like they'll text me. Um, they'll you know, I get calls with people crying. Um, sometimes I feel like they just needed someone to vent to, you know, they're crying about what happened to Bonsai or and then they'll tell me a story about something that happened in their life, which is absolutely horrific. And I'm shocked that they're telling me this or. Um, a gentleman I talked to yesterday was kind of going roundabout on a story about being molested. And I could tell that's what he was trying to say, but he wouldn't say it. And I finally had to be like, dude, like, I'm not going to tell anyone this. Like, you know, is that what ha were you molested? You know, and it's like having to have these conversations with people I've never met who I've talked to for 10 minutes on the phone. I, I have to be like, you have to be honest with me. Like, I'm not going to put your name and that on the air but like you have to tell me is that what happened to you because if it is you know then it, it makes sense the story you're telling me and so it's it's hard because you all of a sudden have to you have to be compassionate with people but you have to be kind of fierce about trying to get information and so you have to really ride this fine line of uh of being respectful but also getting what you need um so that you can make sense of what's happening so you're not just you're not just making a YouTube. <laughs> I'm going to say it this way. You're not just making a YouTube for entertainment purposes. No. We've gone very far beyond that. Yeah. Right? I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you decided months and months and months ago that you were going to take on a case and do it, did you have that in mind? Did you have that like, I'm going to tackle a, a project here and bring justice to the world or were you like man i'm really into this true crime thing and i'm gonna make something i think it started that way i was like uh i'm you know i'm into the true crime thing um i had seen other people with um, only podcasts have some success actually solving things mm -hmm. um or or at least bringing the story to light and so i was like you know, kind of wanted to be like, okay, I, I can do that too. Like, and in a different way, because I can bring it to people in video, which I hadn't, I haven't seen done before. Nobody I'm, does, yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm not saying there's something I have Or it's seen, on Netflix. But, yeah. Right? But nobody's doing this on their, I mean, 
to this level on their own in, on, on YouTube or whatever. Nobody's well, just like, oh. and even the shows on. So even we go to like making a murderer again, they shoot it and then they edit the whole thing. So it's still a series and they, right. they do do experimenting other things, which is amazing. Love that show. Um, but it's still, it's not quite the same as like releasing an episode, getting tips in, shooting those tips and then editing That's super the next old episode. School. Like, cause like nowadays when we see documentaries, even documentary series, they drop all 12 episodes, Right on Netflix or Prime or whatever the freak it is, and you get to watch them all. Like, you literally are going back in time. You're like, no, no, just, I release an episode every two weeks. <laughs> hey, yeah. everybody. And you I guess kind of, I mean, wait that, two that, weeks. That leads me to the question, you know, like, I'm thinking, thinking about, like, you know, when you did Mallory, you did, the, the, so the doc Mallory that you released earlier this year, you know, equally. It's not, it's not even out. Oh, oh, sorry. So you're still in. You're still yeah. in the. Where are well, you on the last? Are in the production uh, stages? I know that oh, like yeah. last time we spoke, we were you were close. Oh no, it's so the film is 100 percent finished, but we haven't released it yet. So we're we're doing the festival. We're gonna. We've applied to 14 festivals. Tribeca, we're waiting for your response. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we're we've applied to like 14 festivals, and we're gonna see. Uh, our hope is to go through the festival run and then release through a quality distribution platform. So um, we're just kind of taking our time, but the amount of interest in that film is very promising. So, well, and I mean, it's it's an incredible story, and I I mean I've. I've try to follow some of the details and how you've you've intertwined your work and your life with these people that have been you know that 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 it affected this this tragedy and i guess you know what i'm getting at is that you know you you told that story and you uh, compiled the documentary and you have this tangible piece right with a start a middle and an end but you know now you're doing episodic content right where yeah. you know the the story is I mean you're, you're you're trying to dig through all of the variables and all the players and all the actors and you're trying to find out who, what's what and make sense of everything, but I mean because it's episodic, you know, like is where do you where do you then as an editor as a shooter as a documentarian like where do you then find the good enough? Where do you find the resolution? Like where at that point, <laughs> you know, and knowing that like when, obviously when a sol- it solving it would be ideal. But yeah. you, to you, you said earlier, like, even if you don't solve it, you want to be able to tell the story. But at what point do you find that resolve within yourself as a documentarian to say, like, this is where the story ends for now? You know, I mean, like, have you hit that point yet? Like, we're, like that's got to be just, I mean, my, my super analytical, I like beginning, middle and end <laughs> things. Like, my brain is like, whoa. But where does it end, Ash? Where- <laughs> Like it's a it's a it's a rabbit hole, and you're you are literally Alice going down down deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, when, I mean, when that, does Alice that, come back up for air? Yeah, no, and I think it's once we've exhausted the the avenues, you know. And so right now, I think there are uh, a handful of paths that seem very promising um, as far as possibilities. Like obviously, those are just possibilities. It doesn't make them fact or what happened. But I think once I explore each of those and kind of either come to a conclusion that that's not what happened or that it could be one of them, you know, narrowing those down to what could have happened and kind of looking at that evidence. If I if there's no clear answer at the end of this like my goal is to just show the evidence and i it, you know there's series out there like well even making a murder or uh, madeline mccain where there is no resolution but it what it was amazing is like especially with madeline mccain it cleared up 
my thinking on it. You know, I was like, okay, well, there's certain myths now that I feel like I can honestly feel confident in dispelling because of the way the director played out the series. Um, And so if at the very least, that's what we have, it might alleviate some of the pressure on some of the avenues people have or, you know, the people who have had fingers pointed at them that maybe inaccurately have had fingers pointed at them. So really maybe kind of saying, hey, it couldn't have been this person or or the likelihood of that happening at that place is, is you know, not possible in my opinion, you know. Um, and so I think that's really it. what it's about is, is, and I think that's what a lot of people who are into true crime like is even if something doesn't have a resolution, they can see and decide for themselves. And then the great thing about how we're doing this is if let's say in a year, if we don't figure anything out, but then all of a sudden someone's arrested in a year. Wow. What a great ending to a series. And like many series, there are obviously like a hundred thousand people who right now who think this series is you know, the bee's knees and watches everything. But like, there's millions of people out there, I believe that will want to watch this content. So they might not know about it right now. But in a year, will they know about it? I think so. And will then they digest all, I don't know, 15, 20 of the episodes all in a row, you know, and then the cool thing is, is unlike a normal TV show where there has to be an end, like in two years or five years, if all of a sudden something shakes loose and what happens if we find out one of our theories is right, well, then we can make the final episode. And like, that's going to be amazing too, because then people can take a look at this and be like, wow, that's the whole story, you know? So that's the cool thing is if it, if it gets solved while we're doing this, oh my God, wow, uh, unbelievable. I would be overjoyed for uh, Bonsai's family that they have an answer and that someone's now not walking the streets. But at the same time, if it's not, uh, I don't plan on just walking away from the story. It just, I might not be able to do an episode every two weeks if there's not new information coming in or solution to it. So it's just a matter of once I feel like I've exhausted all the paths and there is no one else to talk to, you know, maybe, maybe the answer is not there right now. It doesn't mean that it won't come later though. That's an incredible amount of stamina. You know, I think that like, cause it's, I mean, you're not telling a very happy story. So, I mean, you know, you got to put your armor on to tackle something super sensitive that, you know, has a, forever effect on you know that family and it it's it's i don't know i'm, I'm speaking to, to it admirably in the sense that like you're you're working to provide that family closure you know and it, that's knowing that it it might not come you know i, I don't know that, that takes a lot of it's a lot of stamina to put on that face every, like every time you go there and you know pick up and finish the drill again you know what i mean like so I, that's yeah, man. I, I think it's funny because like I, I I I think like you're thinking right now when I when I look at this <laughs> when I wake up next to this I think like w- where's the project end what's you know what I mean? like I, yeah. I'm used to having a brief and it you know there's like a start and a finish and you and put a, a bow on it and you say thank yeah we you. do this stuff yeah and even you know even if it's a horrible story like we put it out there and yeah you know it's done at some point and like you've picked up a project that, well, shit, it might never end. No, that's true. And that, <laughs> what, what's, that's, what's amazing about, even when I did Mallory, because that was a funded documentary, but what's crazy about that is really the mother who lost her uh, beautiful daughter during that literally handed me the reins. Yeah. 
there was no questions. There wasn't. She sent me some people she thought I should interview. And then she completely allowed me to investigate it and put the pieces together myself. Um, Obviously, they were funding the documentary, so they had the final say. But I think we did like teeny tiny minor edits that weren't any changes to the story whatsoever. Less than three minutes of a 90 minute film was. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was like, (laughs) spell my name correctly. Thank you. (laughs) Like it was stuff like that, um, which was amazing. And so, and that's, even though I'm funding this series myself, I feel like the families in this series are very similar in the fact that for whatever reason, they trust me. Um, they're, even today a gentleman came forward who wants to write a book about the story and I feel like everyone came unglued on the social media sites they were basically like you don't write a book and please move away from us and it was actually a very negative response um, and I was surprised that when I came into town I felt like I was embraced and people invited me into their homes you know uh I don't drink, but people invited me to grab beers with them and, you know, they embraced me immediately. So I don't know what it was about what we were doing that made that different. And then somebody else coming in with a different type of project is kind of being pushed to the wayside. So it's, it's just like, it's, it's more than just a job. I have to absolutely engage with people and be friends with them and text them and talk to them. And it's not just like I get to go home and this ends because there, it is, it's all consumed mean um and so that i think makes it interesting and that this whole time in order to fund it and pay for my employees we do commercial work so when all these days are over and i've interviewed some of them and heard some of the most crazy things i go home and have to answer three emails about quotes and uh finding talent for their commercial and uh making sure the crew's correct and that we have the right gear so it's that it makes it kind of surreal it's almost like living two different lives uh, actually is how i would describe it it is like having a different family a different life a different job and and somehow i just have to jekyll and hide it and go go from one to the other and make it flawless on either end yeah, I feel like compartmentalizing, that's got to be a, a big hurdle. I mean, like, I think, you know, David and I talk about the com- being on the commercial side and only on the commercial side. You know, there are moments where, you know, you have to put on your, your client face and everything is rosy and great. And, you know, like that, that in itself is challenging for, for anybody. But then I think, you know, to your point, like you, your other hat is, you know, you have, you're dealing with something that's very dark, but you also have to hit it with a lot of like sympathy and empathy and the ability to kind of relate and understand and which it's, it's, it's like their client services, soft skills in there, but like on a very different scale, I almost feel like it's, <laughs> yes. you know, like whenever I'm sorry to a client, it's because like I botched a shot about, you know, of a, <laughs> of a beverage or, a you know, a sandwich. It's like, Oh, that food doesn't look as great as I'm so sorry. You know? And you're like, I'm so sorry that you're dealing with the loss of a family member or the loss of a, you know, a person in your community. Like, so I, boof, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm shook. <laughs> I'll one up you though, because I think what's also happening is you're not covering a story anymore. Yeah. You've become a part of the story. Absolutely. Which is, as a reporter, is the thing that you always want to avoid. Absolutely. You don't ever want to, but no. by nature and by default, I think- you are a part of the story now yep. because everybody else in the fucking world, let it go. Yeah. And here comes this girl from 
fucking 800 miles away who mm-hmm. doesn't know a goddamn thing about what's happening and says, oh, well, I'll pick this up and solve it or try to solve it rather. Yeah. Right. So like, um, you know, you're the newspaper wants to talk to you and the news station wants to talk to you. And, you know, there, there's all this like all of a sudden you've become a part of it. Yeah. Like you're now a part of the Robert B story. No, absolutely. Which is just awkward. Uh, for somebody like me who's very used to like, hey, here's the product. I'm going to take a picture of it. And nobody will ever know that I exist in the world. Yeah. My name doesn't end up anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I take the paycheck. I walk away. That's it. Yeah. But you are living the story at this point. Well, and that, okay, that's crazy because that was, we released the first episode and I, I don't know why, I guess it's uh, naivety um, for lack of a better word, but we walked into Starbucks the next day and you know how the people at Starbucks say your name when your coffee's ready. So the guy says my name and then he goes on and he's saying all these words and I'm not understanding him because I see him putting ice in coffee and I didn't get an ice coffee. And I'm like, is he asking me if I want ice in my coffee? Like, I can't even understand him. And Cole, my uh, counterpart in all this, said he saw the show. He's, he's saying he liked the show. And I was like, it took me so far that some guy in Starbucks recognized me um, from an episode that I put out online the day before so that was crazy and then um you know later we were in uh, a liquor store parking lot and i was fixing somebody's microphone and all of a sudden from the drive-thru at the liquor store somebody is screaming at us and i thought they knew one of the sources who were with us so i turned around and i said do you guys know her and they were like she's not yelling at us she's yelling at you and she was like i saw your show you're that true crime girl (laughs) and i was like what is happening like it was it was almost like uh and i mean it's crazy when we go into Pekin. like we're recognized by people we interview we're i pulled up my car and i was parked on the side of the road and this guy walked up to the side of my window and he was like ash and i was like uh hello and he's like the jersey plates it gave you away and i was like oh my god there is no flying under the radar anymore like anything any chance we had of coming in and I I really I guess it was naive but I just really thought we could be going around town and interviewing people and not and not be as recognizable as apparently we are now and wish I hadn't bought a bright orange (laughs) jeep what I think is funny is that like a lot of the documentary stuff you're seeing come out nowadays has that the filmmaker is part of the story they have injected themselves as I'm the filmmaker I'm doing this right this is my story. I'm I'm the guy. I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to break the case, right? Um, as opposed to what you saw years ago was just like documentary filmmakers made made the platform and everybody else kind of filled it in. There was a voiceover guy and there was a whatever and you didn't know, right? And I think you kind of went into it thinking, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to just make this story and get away with it even though you are on camera. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what happened very quickly is that you realized, oh shit, it just became a big part of the story. Yeah, I think that's, and that's what, that's why it's so all encompassing because, and two people are now looking to me for answers. Like I have amateur sleuths who who have studied this case and worked on this case and since it happened and they're coming to me to figure out information or they're they're saying, hey, look, somebody just said this 
can you take a look at this? Like, what val- validity do you think this has? And the, the amateur sleuths in this case have been, I think, uh, partially very detrimental to themselves because of the infighting that it created. But they have been so helpful to me because the amount of evidence that they collected and are freely sharing with me is almost mind blowing. Like, I, I'll be like, oh, are those people related? I'm not sure. And then the next thing I know, I have... Uh, an obituary or a birth certificate or something. I'm like, I don't know how you got your hands on that. <laughs> but okay, now at least I know they're related, you know? And so it's, it's the sleuths have been uh, so amazing to me. And none of them want, are wanting to be on camera or be named or anything. They're just like, please take this information and do what you think. Like the first woman we ever interviewed handed me like a folder with like a hundred pages of written out her theories and everything that she had seen and she gave it to me. She was like, take this. She's like, I'm done looking into this case. I'm, I'm bestowing this to you because I think you'll carry this torch. And that, that was like, I was like, are you certain? Like all this work you did, are you sure you want me to take this? And that, that's the kind of reception we've got, you know? And what's cool is what I find different than what anyone else has been able to do is I've been able to go into every area and talk to everyone. Um, and I think a lot of people haven't had that luxury. They've only gotten to see a little slice of the pie, and they've done a really great job investigating that slice of the pie. But is what I'm really doing is putting the whole pie together so we can see the whole story. You're going to eat that whole pie, aren't you? I'm going to eat the pie. It's going to be strawberry rhubarb pie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that this is, um, you know, it's... An incredible use of talent and and ability. I think that, you know, a couple episodes ago, we always talked about, we talked about the why. It's like, well, how do we do any of these things? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right, right. And, you know, and I, I remember I came around to the point of like, I always like to think that my work helps somebody in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think on a commercial end, it's a lot more superficial than what Ash is doing, right? Like, you know, your work is helping it's providing closure to people in a community that was hurt by something. It's, it's helping uncover truths that may have gone, you know, unnoticed. Um, and that is, that's truly like you're using your, your ability, your plot, your, your talents as a platform for good, whether you think so or not. I mean, like it, that's the reality of it, right? Like, you know, I, I even think, even if you don't come to a, a, a resolution or a conclusion or you solve it, right? Like, you know, you talk about that woman that gave you her notes. It's like, those are things that she's probably harbored for years. It's, it's, it's something that she's held heavy. And for her to be able to pass that on to someone who she thinks is capable of, you know, using it better than she has to figure out something. I think that there's gotta be, there's gotta be some type of emotional closure for her on that. Right. I mean, like I'm giving this to someone more capable, more able to fight the good fight and, you know, hopefully bring it to some kind of resolve. Um, which I think is just a really impressive second act, right? And I say second act in a, the most complimentary way possible, right? Like, you know, it just you, called you old. You, you built a <laughs> well, no, but you you built a you built a very successful business doing doing what you know how to do, what you're talented with, and then you know, the the question of well, what next? So what? You know, like I, I made a healthy living doing commercial videos and, you know, that kind of thing. That's great. I have all the, the kit to do those things. I have a team of people to help me make that happen. So what? And so, I mean, that's, it's a, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm admiring it from a distance. That's a, that's a very, very noble second act, you know? 
Um, and I think that like it's it's very cool to see a creative do that. Um, it's actually an amazing way to say it. You just put it very very. You said it very well. That second act thing is is exactly what it is because I think for years, uh, since moving to Jersey and opening Generic Brain to Human, right? Your goal was to build a big production company. Yeah, right? absolutely. You always said that. Yeah. I just want a big production company. Yeah. And I want to sell it off at some point, maybe. Who knows? Right. Like, we'll absolutely. see what happens. Yeah. That was your goal. Yeah. And unbeknownst to you, a client of yours who you used to make YouTube videos for about their carpet business ended up leading you to the story of Mallory, which led you to literally the essence of documentary filmmaking. Like that's, sorry, that movie is like, that's documentary filmmaking as like, if you look it up in the dictionary, there's just a picture of all of you sitting there. Right. (laughs) And, and now all of a sudden you're like at 40 years old, you're like, fuck, this is what I need to be doing. Yeah, I think that's that's what was amazing is because Mallory's mom, Diane Grossman, like um I've I've just never seen anyone so capable and forceful and um creating change and and healthy change and quality change for the world. Now you have a mom who lost a t- their 12-year-old daughter and instead of folding in on herself has become this powerhouse for why bullying's not okay. She's trying to actually pass a law called Mallory's Law. And I watched her do this and I was like, when I started the series, um, I was like, wow, could I potentially impact people's lives in this way? Like hers is obviously to stop bullying and help children and suicide prevention. And this was, can I solve crimes? Can I put someone away? Can I bring light to something? And all, you know, and it was crazy because I, I, people looked at me like I was absolutely insane. But I think when you see an episode drop that gets a hundred thousand views in I don't know, two weeks. Like, I think you understand that you absolutely are impacting people. People care and they desperately care and they want answers too. And so that, uh, to get that kind of reward from something, I've never had a reward like that because I've never been, I guess, a quote unquote do-gooder, you know? Um, But to get that kind of reward and reception has been like the most rewarding thing. Like I, my commercial clients that I still have are insane and they're diehard and they're so amazing. And it's like, um, because of these very few clients, I'm able to support a staff and do this work. And, you know, and it's hard because every day I want to be helping other families. I want to dive into other stories and, and, you know, help figure it out. And through this, I can't tell you the amount of people have reached out. I'm like, please look at my kid's case. Please look at my best friend's case. Please look at this story I'd heard over here that I think is really hanky, you know? And it's, it's amazing how much help people want and need. And it's almost overwhelming because I always have to say to them, you know, I'll keep it in mind for, you know, next season or, but like I'm one person. So it's like, I can only, and I, it's so much information. You can almost only focus on one story at a time. And we are actually doing two stories. Um, but the other story is kind of trickling out slower. So we haven't released anything on it yet. But even just having to bounce between those two stories is a lot. Because there's a lot of people you have to reach out to. I mean, I, I think you, you said it when earlier when you said that th- this project is entirely self-funded at this point. You know, it's 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 something where, you know, I don't know, like, 
people in David and I's world, we, we have a good year, we make a good profit, that goes into like new toys, we kinda, we're going to go buy new cameras or whatever. Studio gets an upgrade this year, ha ha ha. And you're saying, well, I'm going to go try to solve a crime that's going to help some people. You know, I don't know. I think that that's like a super noble thing. Um, and I think, you know, we've always talked about here, like the process over product. But this is one of those where like, like, holy crap, the process is so intertwined with the product, right? Like, you know, like you do the, you, you're doing the process because you want to know the answers. You, you feel driven to do this, to serve these people. But then the product, it, it serves an equally important value, right? In helping push that process forward, right? Well, and that, and what I think is what's insane about that is I had this kind of dilemma at first, and David even pointed it out at some point, is that, you know, I, I want every shot obviously to look beautiful and insane, but this isn't about making the most beautiful shots on the planet. This is about telling a story powerfully so that I had to really let that go. I had a GoPro like strapped to my chest uh, the other day while walking to find this trailer in the middle of a field with a mattress and a uh, sleeping bag in it but you know why didn't I, you carry a c200 with you? <laughs> but yeah that's no that's exactly it. and we you see so 200 we, on like a on a full movie gimbal full and gimbal you, yeah what you got fuck? a for ac yeah. running yeah like but like that's the thing like <laughs> yeah we i had you have to pick and choose so we shoot our b-roll beautifully like we plan it out we hire um you know we don't do reenactments per se but we did hire a young man who looked similar to bonsai just to film like shots of a kid walking down a railroad track and you know some things but not really ever focus on him so it was just kind of filler type b-roll um but yeah we craft those shots and we we do our best to make them epic and beautiful and i think we've done such an uh, insane job and that is counter uh, you know is juxtaposed to like me walking through a field with a gopro on my chest but i think that's the essence of this and i think that's why people like it is it's not perfect in that way like i had to do phone interviews with people the other day in the van for four hours and i just i got the camera set up and i got my audio on and i'm like this is okay because people are not interested if i'm lit perfectly they're interested in hearing what this person who's talking to me on the phone has to say so as long as you can see me clearly and the audio is clear like i've had to make a lot of concessions and be like this has to be good enough for now plus like sometimes i'm exhausted and now i have to make four calls that will all probably average around 45 minutes where i'm pretty sure the other person on the other end of the line is going to tell me something horrifying about their life and probably cry at some point so like sometimes all i can do is set up a camera with a light and an audio source and and it looks nice you know and that's all i can worry about i can't be like i need the most epic moody shot set up right now because that's not what my viewers want i really believe they want a quality story told that has information that they can hang on to and and use to to help them figure out what happened here the story is bigger than the visual yeah absolutely yeah, right? and so i had to really remember that yeah. you know i had to really be like uh i remember our first t um week out i i said to cole i don't care what happens set this little tiny camera somewhere and have it recording and he's like well what what about the there'll be lights and cameras in the shot and i was like i don't care i was like because it's not about that it's about and now that we're recognizing that we're absolutely as much of this story as bonsai is or anybody in his family is um that's okay you know we are filming this we are carrying cameras around i am strapping a gopro to my chest you know so i want people to to see that you know 
that we're that that's how we're getting this information it's it's a i mean like that is a the one of the most real examples of how story trumps all you know i mean we hear the we hear the saying that story is overrides you know epic camera shots right you can have the most incredible shots but if the story is crap then you know it's the what what's what's the purpose what's the reason so i mean to that point like to your point like having you know having beautiful ways to kind of doing doing your craft being a visual storyteller it's there's going to be elements where you intertwine you have the ability to kind of create a pretty visual but more so than anything like the story needs to come first and you know that's what you're doing your whole role there is to tell that story yeah um i I guess where i'm going now with this is you know this is a this is super impressive number one like you deserve a huge round of applause for this audience and listener land that like this is this is difficult this is really challenging to i mean think about the i task you listener land to do this to yourself like ask yourself this question but in the midst of your hustle to continue to pay your bills and do your work and thrive as a creative etc etc like imagine spearheading another project of which you get paid nothing for you pour your and you pour your your earnings into and you know that's that's a heavy that's a heavy project to take on so it should be lauded absolutely incredible i guess where i'm leading with this is you know if i'm if if you're talking to other creatives that have this drive to say what next right like why what do i do with my talents and abilities i want to do something to help somebody i mean what advice do you give them what advice do you give to someone that's looking to to do something like this where they want to tell a story that hasn't been told or they want to give their their talents to a higher like a more noble cause uh, that's a great question. And I, I kind of think if you look at my entire life, I, I exist in the fact that I will absolutely jump out of the plane and not be certain if my parachute's going to open. And honestly, it's gotten me everywhere from the, uh, from even when I opened my production company, I basically been fired from every job I'd ever worked at. And so finally I was like, well, I guess I have to work for myself because I'm the only one who's going to keep me hired. <laughs> Don't change your ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I I felt like at that moment it was, um, you know, and and honestly, sometimes having, you know, the first time I did it, like I was literally a month away from going broke. And if there's nothing else that can motivate you, like going broke uh, is not, you know, is is you'll find work, you'll get work. I would literally shoot photo and video of anything. Um, and then I moved and uprooted my whole life um, and actually started working for someone again, which I subsequently got fired from. And so then I was like, nope, production's definitely for me. So I started again and I only had three months worth of savings. Like it was literally like, okay, I guess I have to find jobs. Um, and so this is the same thing. The, I if, if all that comes of this is that I am able to bring some light to this story and maybe dispel some myths and really kind of outline this for people so they have a better understanding of it, then I'll feel like I've succeeded, you know, because that is the reward in this is is so intense. I, it's hard to explain. And I didn't even realize there would be that level of a, a reward. 
Um, but if I can potentially fund this somehow so that I can help other people, like that would be amazing. I mean, I don't need to make millions doing this, but if I could make enough to have the staff just focused on this, we would be focused on it 24 seven, you know, and I think there's a lot of other cases that deserve attention out there that forever, for whatever reason, um, got lost in the shuffle. And I really, uh, that's all I want to do now. So now my goal is to figure out how to make enough. And literally, if it's just enough to pay our salaries, I would be completely happy with that so that we could all live and focus on this. And so, you know, that's, that's the goal of all this. I really, really sincerely hope and believe like everything else I've done in my life that this will pan out. I don't know how that is going to happen exactly. Um, and but I feel like if I continue to just move forward and doing the steps that I believe are necessary to make enough money to continue on to doing another one, um, I will keep doing that. And, you know, and I don't need those results to come tomorrow. But, you know, if, if I can start figuring out how to monetarily make this viable within a year, like, absolutely, this is all I will do. And I will give myself to these families, you know, and I will help them get to where they need to be. So it's really a, a leap of faith. It's jumping out of a plane one more time and hoping that the parachute opens, but it's open for me every time before I smash into the planet. So I'm just going to think it's going to open again this time. I love how brave that is. Just, yeah. And the I, like, I just, my mind just exploded. Um, I remember when Geraldo opened Al Capone's vault, how important that was. No? Kind of Anybody? the same thing, no? Geraldo. No yeah. Same thing, right? Yeah. There we go. Um, well, I, I think that's A, incredible. Um, I, I think everyone out there in listener line, you should pull over your car, you should jump on YouTube, and you should look up Ashes to Ashes TV. Um, and check out the uh, first two episodes. Um, three, it'll be three. Three by the three time, by the time this comes out. So, mm. yeah. Um, and and stay tuned to uh, to the channel to look out for other things, including the release of Mallory when it goes to the hits the circuit. Um, Ash, thank you yeah, so and, much for just telling oh, the story. Absolutely, and I just want to add one thing before we end this. One of the coolest things about doing this is because people care so much, they go out of their way to make sure that I'm taken care of. So even the other day I was like, oh, we should put episode three at a theater so people can come and they can ask questions and maybe if they have tips, they can give it to us. And the outpouring of people, uh, a venue reached out and was like, you can use our venue, no cost. Like it's crazy when you are doing something that has a, a healthy connotation or that people believe in, people will move mountains for you. And I just, I cannot believe the amount of people who have been like, you can do this or you can stay at my house or you can use our space uh we, they'll do anything they can to help and it's not always about financial it's about what can i do what do i have that i can offer you which is a theater space or a you know a, a bed to sleep in and that's what's amazing is like the amount of people who have been like here i'm going to give you everything i have and that's that that value is amazing. So I think that anyone who's thinking about doing this, you know, if you can start moving mountains, people will will help you push. So all we have to offer is this podcast. That's <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's that's perfect. Got. That's perfect. So. Well, I think it's a true testament to the work that you do, and obviously the story you're trying to tell. Um, I again, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's just you have an incredible stamina to go about it the way that you are, um, and that should be applauded. I think all creatives, you know, everyone out there in listener lane, you should dig deep 
and, you know, ask yourself what your art and what your talents are bringing to other people. And not to say that you have to go, you know, solving mysteries like Ash does, but, <laughs> um, you know, I do think that there is, I mean, like, uh, shoot, I'm going to go after we stop this episode, I'm going to sit down with a piece of paper and, and think about, you know, that kind of what, what is the, what is the higher, the higher, the highest and best use of what my skill set does and what can it, how can it help somebody else? I think that's kind of where the question could start, should start. Um, because I mean, you found a way to, to answer that in a very, very profound way. Right on. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. So everyone out there, Ashes to Ashes TV on YouTube, and you can check them on Insta, Facebook, there's a Twitter. Um, You should follow all of them and and keep posted on all the episodes as they're released. It's every... Every every other week the video series comes out and then on the opposite weeks the podcast comes out so if you're more of a video person go on youtube if you're more of a podcast listener it's really anywhere you can find it anywhere podcasts are and it's ashes a-s-h-e-s and then t-o and then just ash a-s-h and then tv so if you type that in it'll get you everything you need there you go ash thank you again we really appreciate it and um yeah check it out Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And I think that's going to do it for us today on this episode of Office Hours. A huge thank you to Ash Patino for coming in and talking about uh, the series, the doc, and everything that she does. Uh, it's it's absolutely incredible. And again, I, I know I'm sounding crazy, but you all should definitely check it out. It's really, really powerful stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, we will uh, see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace. Bye.